Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Otherwise known as Bruce. And today we're coming at you with some sports ball, some big news in collegiate sports in the United States, and then all of the Olympic sports, because that's what I do is watch the Olympics. (laughs) And I get no sleep in this time frame. This is exactly a repeat of the Beijing Summer Olympics where I didn't sleep at all. (laughs) And I didn't sleep so much that I was so tired during the day that my company sent me to do a sleep study because they thought I had apnea or narcolepsy. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm feeling the repeat now because all the stuff happens live in the middle of the night and I want to watch it. And now now that I'm old, I'm not staying up till like two or three like I was. I'm, I'm going to bed at 11, but because I'm old, it doesn't doesn't work. The Winter Olympics are in two years, right? No, next year. Normally, it's a, it's every other year, but because of COVID delay, these are still, quote-unquote, the 2020 Olympic Games. <laughs> yeah, next year, you're not getting any sleep either. <laughs> I don't have as much love for the winter sports. What? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I will watch it, and I enjoy it. <laughs> Let's see. The three sports I played growing up, or I played a lot growing up, or at least enjoyed, soccer, golf, and swimming are all in the Summer Olympics. I grew up in Florida, so the Winter Olympics is not really a thing. <laughs> I thought we were curling buddies. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll watch some curling, but I'm a summer guy. My point being is that the Olympics just uh, skip over the Sea of Japan, right back into Beijing. Yep. So if you were watching them, you wouldn't be getting any sleep either. Nope, nope. It's the difference of like, what, one time zone? Maybe. Maybe. As bad as the time zone stuff works here, it works even crazier in Asia. So I don't even want to speculate. Well, since we're on the topic, let's go into the Olympics. Um, Right now, cursory glance, the United States is winning overall medals. We have the highest silver and bronze medal count. We are behind China and Japan as far as gold, who both of those teams have 15 gold medals and we have 14. It's been a little bit up and down for the U.S., I think we were doing better than the way it started out. Yeah, we had a real slow start this Olympics. We didn't even have a medal until day two, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. China's program the last three to four Olympics has been get out, get out early and capture all the stuff that Americans don't care about is their primary thing. What's really been interesting is Japan mm-hmm. because Japan is now at 25 medals. They've got 15 gold. I want to say in the last Olympics, they only won 18 total. Mm-hmm. So they're almost at as many golds as they are from their high total back in um, Rio, Rio. That's right. It was Rio, Jiminy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should remember the, the Brazilian ones because that was the one where the American athlete faked being mugged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that today. It was a swimmer. Um, he wasn't even that good. I mean, he was okay. We can talk about that a little bit if you want. I, I think it's interesting. You know, obviously it was terrible what he did. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a guy talking about the lack of outrage over what he did versus outrage over players who were kneeling during the national anthem because I think that was happening at the same time. Uh And my point to him was that it was a money thing. The reality is U.S. swimmers or U.S. athletes in general, unless they're playing a professional sport back home, they might make money from endorsements, but that's about it. Most of them have day jobs or normal Uh jobs that they have to go back to. I'll put it this way. The reason I don't swim on a U.S. swimming team is because of the fees 
it costs a lot of money. It costs money to go to every meet. It costs money to be on the team. It costs money for the equipment. They're usually being endorsed by somebody. If you're big enough, you'll get those endorsements. But if you're not, it's expensive. And so even with those endorsements, him compared to your average football or basketball player, there's no contest. Like the basketball and football player make a ridiculous amount of money. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, where the outrage comes from is the, is the amount of money. But either way, uh, whatever his name was did a terrible thing. So luckily we haven't seen any of those kind of shenanigans this time. <laughs> yeah. The Olympics has been weird because there's no crowds. There's no crowds. And then at the early going on, there were some misfires as far as like presentations and how things went. I want to say the start of the, it was the start of the triathlon or just start of the, the swimming leg of the triathlon. It's the swimming leg. I mean, that's the very beginning of the triathlon. Okay. So it was the start of the triathlon. The men's. There was a boat in the area of where the swimmers had to swim. There was a boat there that shouldn't have been there. <laughs> it was like at the dock sideways blocking about a third of the guys who were about to jump in the water. Right. <laughs> and they still fired the pistol. So like all the other guys around the boat jumped in the water. Right. Right. Which causes another problem. <laughs> <laughs> the guys that can't get in the water are looking around like what? What do we do? Is this going to count? <laughs> yeah, and the guy in the boat is like, "Well, I was trying to get out of the way, but now I'm afraid I'm going to run over a bunch of people, and this would be bad." <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's been some the definite misfires. There's been problems with people not being able to come. Like I think we're out our pole vaulter, our primary pole vaulter, tested positive for COVID yesterday, so he's not being allowed to participate, which really sucks because he had an amazing story coming out of the Rio Olympics. He was, I think, our secondary pole vaulter in that Olympics. The story was he was, while he was running along to do one of his trainings, our national anthem started playing in a different part of the stadium for a medal ceremony. And he immediately stopped, dropped the pole and went into like salute position. Uh (laughs) It was, it was just fantastic. But unfortunately because of COVID, because he got COVID, he's not going to be allowed to play. And it was interesting. We had Lee, the the gymnast, was talking about yesterday on the NBC primetime about one of the other gymnasts getting COVID while they were, you know, testing positive for COVID after like her third test and after they were already there and everybody being so surprised because they were taking all of the precautions. It's like super hiked up there. And that's something people don't understand about Japan. You don't reach the kind of population density that the almost like the whole country and especially Tokyo has anywhere outside of like Los Angeles County and New York City uh-huh. in the U.S. Like their population density, like if you look at our big cities in the U.S., most of our big cities are really big and sprawling. Uh-huh. There's still a lot of space between people. In Japan, it's not that way. And so they're, they mask regularly for flu season because their flu deaths are in like the hundreds of thousands every year. This is because, like you said, they're so concentrated. There's just no way to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to avoid each other. There's, no, I mean, public transportation. Those guys really do push people literally into each other to close the door. So, right, <laughs> guys in white gloves going suck it in. <laughs> yep, the lack of crowds has been very strange. So there's no crowds. There's no family. So they've been doing the family via like effectively zoom or skype or whatever um, which has been decent and really the only people cheering on the athletes are other athletes mm-hmm. who are not going right then team america is rooting for those athletes there <laughs> when they have the time mm-hmm. you know there's been some some really amazing stories coming out of the olympics the one that i noticed the most which was interesting well okay i guess there's two but the one that i definitely know about that i've actually kind of looked at a little bit at was the philippines winning their first ever olympic medal and it was gold women's weightlifting was she in the heavy class or was she in the super heavy <sighs> She didn't look super heavy. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> like, those people have a certain look about them. They're very square or cube-like. <laughs> she looked more like she was in the heavy division. Hiddlin Diaz. You're going to laugh at this. You want to know how much that woman weighs? Mm. 123 pounds. What? <laughs> That's less than half of my weight. 4'11 and 123 pounds. Oh, she's 4'11. That's why. Okay. <laughs> Gee, she's tiny, but that makes sense. You really want to be as down to the ground as you can when you're lifting that much weight over your head. It's just one of those things like a weightlifter being that small, you know, and and that lightweight, just like, damn. (laughs) Yeah, Philippines, first medal, first gold medal. So that's pretty amazing. We had our own Cinderella story in fencing, the first ever gold medal for the United States of America in fencing. And I want to say fencing has been a part of Olympic competitions since like the 1800s. Yep. Lee Kiefer. She went against the Russian, the Russian um, Olympic committee. And, um, you know, fencing is hard to watch. I get it. And the, the, sometimes the point scoring is difficult to see, but I feel like NBC has sort of ignored her. You know, they showed her a couple times. They showed her during the day on Saturday. I want to say Saturday or Sunday when she won, you know, I got to watch the match it was on replay, obviously, but well, especially again in in a sport that that's not typically what Americans are known for. Like compared to all the other gold medals that we've won, which have been almost exclusively swimming and shooting. Go figure. <laughs> um, so we got the fencing one, and then there was another one for gymnastics. Which, I mean, and that's where another one of those little funny side stories is. Is we probably could have gotten a couple more, but. Again, funny stuff happened. Well, the, the honest truth is we haven't we haven't really seen many of the medals up for grabs yet in gymnastics, either on the men's or the women's side. Mm. Now, our our gymnastic men's team did okay. Uh, they actually did. I think they did better than they did at Rio. I think they came out eighth in Rio, and now they're sixth. I'll have to check that. So they're getting better. You know, they look good on the all around. They look good in the individual, but they didn't win a medal. It's because the Japanese look better. And the honest truth is, the Cinderella story on that one is the Japanese being able to unseat the Chinese. And in the all-around, the Japanese beat the Chinese for silver because the Russians ended up winning it. And that's another Cinderella story because the Russians haven't won an all-around, I think, men's or women's since like 92, Uh since the collapse of the Soviet Union, effectively. So this is sort of them saying, yeah, even after the Soviet Union collapses, and even if we're not doping ourselves crazily, um, we can still perform. And that was impressive. And then it happened again on the women's side. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk, talk about Simone Biles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we get into gymnastics. Mm-hmm. It was a big, big shot because Simone was kind of in the last Olympics. I want to say the last two to three Olympics are the main headliner for the U.S. was Michael Phelps. He was the face of Team USA. He was going to go in and win all the gold, and of course he did. Um, <laughs> he didn't do it quite as good at Rio as he did at Beijing, but, you know, he got older. And he still won gold there. So that was sort of like repositioned onto, onto Biles because she had done so well in Rio and she had kept doing well in all the world championships since then that she would became the face of Team USA. So she goes into the gymnastics competition. Now, I watched some of her practice stuff. I watched the one floor routine. That was just amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I watched some of her practice stuff. And then I watched her prelims. And I got to tell you, every time she got up there, she got a little worse. Hmm. Like every time, like her landings got sloppier on everything she did, her floor routine. She she had one where she really stuck with the rest of her, like across the floor, 
gymnastics type stuff. She bounced one of them. She bounced clear out like a good meter or two out of the the thing. And she had to like Uh make a real quick step back up. And that was by the time you got to the prelims. Now, because her difficulties are so high, it sort of makes up for her performance not being great. Even with those marks off, her performance was still pretty good. And so she was still scoring really well. But you could see every event she did, she got a little worse. And then when we finally got to the medal round, the finals, and she gets up and does the vault, which is the first round for the U.S., she gets lost in the air, which is something if you've ever done gymnastics, and I I haven't done much. I took like a tumbling class in uh, college. But I've done forward handstands and back handstands. That's where you like... It's, it's a flip, except you put your hands down and you touch the ground as you're flipping. Uh-huh. And it's dizzying. Like, the first time you do it, it's crazy. Like, you don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on. You see the ceiling and the floor at the same time. And, like, it's everything gets crazy. But the more you do it, the more you get used to it. And you get a feel for where your body is and where you are in the air. And you could tell in that vault she lost it because she had this, like, when she was coming down and she did her landing, she had this, like, crazy look in her eye. Like, where am I and what is going on? And she walked away from that and she knew. And so she took herself out of the competition. Well, knowing that, I got to say, it's even more impressive than that she did that because it's putting her professionalism as an athlete, knowing who she is and what she's capable of and, and not just trying to, you know, soldier through it because she could embarrass herself. She can embarrass, you know, the U.S. And it's not representative of the best that she can do. You know, if you know you're not going to do your best, then don't do it, especially in this particular case, because, I mean, the only thing you're going to end up doing is hurting yourself, hurting your team. It's just not going to be good for you. Yeah, I fully believe that if she had continued on, that we would have seen an injury either on the balance beam or on the floor routine, Mm -hmm. that she would have slipped and fallen off. I am dead set that I think she would have had an injury if she had kept going. And so the reality is just what you said. It's a professional thing. Not only am I not at my best, I'm not better than the rest of y'all. So I'm going to step down and let y'all take care of business. Uh So let's see, two of the events, you had uh, Childs, she stepped up and she did well. She really did. Her difficulties weren't as high and they were up against a Russian team that had very high difficulties on their stuff. And the Russian teams, two of their athletes on the balance beam slipped off the beam and so there was a chance the women's the women could overtake them um, and then Childs made an error during the floor routine where she basically she fell she when she landed she sat down um, and that's a pretty big deduction and her floor routine was already not that high difficulty so that effectively is what caused the Russians to win the all-around. But the women won gold, and that's pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. You go from a four-person team down to a three-person team in the middle of the competition, and you're still able to put it together and put the silver around your neck. I'm very proud of them. I really am. And they won gold in artistic, women's individual, all-around. Yeah, so Lee, Suni Lee, she's kind of like the next Biles. <laughs> she, <laughs> you know, She's amazing on... The uneven bars is her main one, but she's great all around and she did fantastic all around. Interestingly enough, we had another woman come into that and she was able to per- participate in the all around because Biles didn't because you're only allowed two athletes per country. Uh-huh. You know, Biles decided not to do the uh, individual all around. So Lee came up for it and she got the gold and we're all very proud of her. The rest of the gymnastic stuff is all individual. So it's individual apparatus. So there's still another for the women. There's still another four for the artistic gymnastics. There's another four medals on the line. And so we'll get to see all of them. I fully believe Suni Lee is going to take gold in the uneven bars. We'll see about the others. 
So that's gymnastics. There's still a lot to go in gymnastics, but the big, big shows are done. Three by three basketball, the women's first ever in the Olympics. Three by three basketball. It's a very fast paced game. Uh, the women won from the U.S. They got gold. I'm not going to say that's as expected, but it kind of is considering I think we're the only country that has a professional league for women. <laughs> the men have not done so well in three by three. Let's see. We got diving. Yeah, I was going to say that was a big story there. <laughs> I want to say this is the high, high platform diving. The real big story on there is Great Britain. They managed to unseat the Chinese. Which, I don't know when the last time that's been done. <laughs> like, synchronized men's diving. The two guys from Great Britain managed to unseat the Chinese from the 10-meter platform. I gotta be honest, I'm not a real big fan of the Communist Party in China. I want the athletes to do a good job and perform well, but I, I like seeing China get beat. <laughs> Especially in something they're like dominant on you know it's just like everybody else in the world enjoys watching the u.s get beaten something they're we're dominant on so it was really fun to watch the men's 10 meter platform synchronized dive and then in the men's three meter springboard synchronized dive we ended up getting silver we didn't unseat the chinese because they were like 100 points ahead of everybody else but we managed to pull out silver we beat the germans and the great british and the british and the spanish and the mexicans yeah they were all kind of in the lead. And then they just look, they look fantastic. I guess the Chinese looked better. I don't really think they did, to be honest. But our men's team was just spot on in uh, in springboard. Just fantastic looking. Shooting. Yeah, we did really well in shooting. The men's skeet shooter, this is his third gold. So that was his third Olympics. He'll be back for another one, likely. Women's skeet shooting, we won gold. So those were our first, if I remember correctly, those were our first golds. And then 10 meter air rifle with men's was a win as well. Of course, they don't get really any any press. I guess the the sports that use weapons, they get no press. <laughs> no fencing, no shooting. If you're using a weapon, nobody's going to talk about you. <laughs> well, I mean, and particularly with the U.S., I mean, yeah. considering how big of an issue guns are in, in the U.S., I mean, it's, it, everyone else has got to look at that and go. Well, can't say we'd be surprised, you know, us, Russia, you know, China, places where, you know, they have big armies and whatnot. Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, makes sense. Big upset in skateboarding in the women's, we didn't even qualify, or the U.S. woman didn't even qualify for the street competition, which is sad considering, I mean, it's skateboarding. It's 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 an American sport. (laughs) The men also, the, the primary man, Coming out of the U.S., he didn't he didn't win a medal. I think he got fifth. Uh, he just could not stay on his board in the final street competition. Eaton ended up the the second U.S. Uh, seed. He ended up getting the bronze. And this was another another big win for the home country. Japan took the gold on that one, and so I'm happy for them. I'm a, I I like rooting for the home country if I can't root for the U.S. Softball was a it was sad because we got the silver again. So softball's back. Softball is kind of weird because it, it skipped two Olympics. The Olympics before that, the women's, they went down to Japan and the U.S. and Japan beat us. And now again, now that softball's back, it, went, it came down to Japan and the U.S. and Japan beat us uh, 2-0 in the end. Sad, but we did win silver. So pretty happy about that. We won the gold in surfing. So it's pretty nice. At least between surfing and skateboard, at least we won surfing. <laughs> at least in the women's. I don't know about the surfing because like you don't normally hear like Japan being a big surfing spot. So I'm wondering how that was handled. Obviously, I didn't watch any of it. No, they actually had a help. Remember, because um, earlier in the week they had a typhoon come through, which is sort of like a tropical storm, mm, and okay. that made the waves 
Yeah. So much better. <laughs> and so they got lucky effectively. They had some really good ways. Yeah, I was not able really to watch it either because NBC does not did not really promote it very much like they did with skateboarding. So I think I'm gonna probably gonna watch some of that just on my own time just to get a feel for it. But uh, women's won gold, so that was that was good. So the triathlon and the and the bike race were pretty big stunners for who won on the women's side of the ball. For the bike race, I think it's street race, but it was a gal from Austria who won the the gold, and she broke from the pack like halfway through the race, and was able to maintain like a four minute lead for half the race. And that's just unheard of. <laughs> so, I mean, that was really impressive. And she was the only one, like most of the, the big countries like us and the Netherlands and a couple of the others, France, whatnot, we all had four people in the competition, but, you know, she was it. She was the only, she was the only person from Austria. The triathlon was big too. I, I can't remember uh, who won that, but she was not like a favorite or anything going to that. And we had a, we got the bronze medal in that. So it's pretty good. I remember the bronze medal. She, she was pretty young, uh, Zafers. So that was nice. Somehow we got the women's gold in Taekwondo. <laughs> and I hadn't heard anything about that. So I'm just seeing that now. And that's impressive. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you enter my realm, which is swimming. You know, swimming's been a big grab bag. And it's also, been, I got to say, been kind of strange coverage from NBC because what you see NBC has done in past Olympics, what they'll do is they'll highlight an athlete and then they'll spend, you know, five minute or some odd time frame talking about that athlete and doing a background on them and talking to their parents. And, you know, there's this little montage effectively about the athlete. But what NBC has done is they're, they're doing that for athletes from other countries now, which is fine. It's been okay. What I haven't liked is how much they're hyping Titmus from Australia because she beat Katie Ledecky in a couple of the things. And it's like, quit hyping this girl. <laughs> like, like She's not from the U.S. Do her backstory one time instead of the five times that you did it and move on to another, you know, another athlete or, or highlight one of the gold medal winners in the U.S. that was unexpected, like the, the gala one fencing. I mean, come on. I haven't seen her backstory yet. So I, I'm just kind of gripey about that. I think NBC needs to get their act together. But yeah, not a big shocker, but a huge race. The women's 400-meter freestyle and the 200-meter freestyle between Katie Ledecky and Titmus, Because uh, Ledecky was kind of the leader all the way up until the 2019 World Championships where Titmus beat her. And so coming into this, uh, everybody was like, okay, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And it ended up being Titmus, but it was one hell of a race. Because Ledecky's kind of a, she goes, she has a speed. Uh She hits the water and she goes. There's there's kind of three kinds of swimmers. There's swimmers who go out strong and then try and hold it together at the end. There's swimmers who go out weak and then gear up at the end. And there's swimmers who go out and they're they're like metronomes. They just... They just pace. Yeah. And Ledecky's one of the metronome folks. And so she just paced. And Titmus is is a go out weak, finish strong. Um, and she was able to do that against Ledecky in the 400 and the 200 meter freestyle. Ledecky still won the, the 1500 meter freestyle. I want to say that was the first time in the Olympics they had that. That's the mile. So you're swimming a mile. She finished like, I don't know, two lengths in front of the next person. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She, that's the thing. She has one speed. It doesn't matter what race she's racing. <laughs> The big news was the relays. The relays are always big. Four by 100 men's freestyle relay 
we got the gold on that one. That was crazy. That was crazy from like every perspective. The really crazy one was the four by 200 freestyle relay on the women's side of the ball. That was nuts because everybody thought it would be over after uh, Titmus got in the water. She was the leader for the Australians. And they figured, okay, the Australians are going to win this by like four body lengths. She's going to get out so fast. Nobody's going to be able to catch her. And then it was going to be a fight for silver between everybody. Uh So women go out and the Chinese beat the Australians on the first two swimmers. And the way the Australians patterned their their swimmers, the first two swimmers were their strongest swimmers and then the last two were their weakest. And the way the U.S. patterned it was sort of a strongest first and strongest last and the two in the middle. Uh-huh. It looks like the Chinese, I don't know, the Chinese were strong all throughout. They were the ones to beat. They went out there. Now, they didn't like go crazy and put like full body lengths between them and anybody else, but they led pretty much the entire way. And it was crazy because everybody thought this was going to be Australia and Australia was going to be way out in front. Uh, Coming down to the end of it, even the U.S. is not looking very good. They're looking like, okay, maybe they'll get bronze because this seems to be a competition between the Australians and the Chinese. And then the final swimmers get in and our final swimmer is Ledecky. And you can see her when she comes out of the water, her legs are going like mad. You can see she is like, she's turned it up to 11 and she catches all the way back up to the Australian and beats her into the wall. And the Chinese win this since the Chinese, the U S is silver and the Australians in bronze. And all three of those teams beat the world record. Uh-huh. Like it was nuts. <laughs> this was, it was the kind of like swimming thing that was crazy to watch. Women's four by 100 meter freestyle, right? Is that the one you're talking about? Four by 200 meter. Four by 200. Yeah. Uh, the women's four by 100 meter, uh, we got the bronze on. That's right. That was not, not nearly as big on us. The other real big win, the men's 100 freestyle, Dressel won that. Uh, he won that pretty handily. He was kind of uh, looking kind of okay in the field. He came out pretty strong, and then he just took off when he hit the wall. So coming off of that, real surpriser was uh, Finke. I think Ryan Finke, 800-meter freestyle, so a pretty long race. Uh-huh. He was in sixth. So eight, 800 meters, right? You swim in the length of the pool's 50 meters. So you're doing, I don't know, some number. 16. <laughs> you're doing 16. Up to the 15th lap, he is in sixth place. Sixth place. In the last 50 meters, he came back and won gold. By a hair. By a hair. <laughs> I know. it. I, you know, I thought he'd lost it, so I wasn't really paying attention anymore. I was looking at the computer. He did do. <laughs> and the, the computer was screwing up. And, and I look up, and I, I catch, like, the last three or four meters, and I see him in front. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he came back. <laughs> that was crazy. So, and then uh, Khalid's meeting the the men's 400-meter individual medley. That was – that's always an interesting race because everybody's got their strokes they're good at and their strokes they're bad at. And so, you really don't know how it's going to wash out until the last meter because guys can be terrible on breaststroke and then come back really strong on freestyle. And other guys are just amazing on breaststroke and then awful on freestyle. Or some guys go out super strong on on, – on fly and then they just try and hold on to it. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun in the water. There's been some stuff we haven't won the women's 200 meter butterfly, 
Oh, yeah, we, we got both the gold and the silver in the women's 1,500-meter freestyle. It was like the Americans way out in front. It was great. The women's 100-meter breaststroke. So that was an interesting story because Smith has been, like, dominant in the in the 102-meter, 200-meter breaststroke for a long time. And she's, I don't know, somewhat aggressive, too. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's kind of a trash talker, uh, you know, as far as that goes in swimming. And so... Um, she came out and she, she's getting older. So she only got uh, bronze, but it was amazing to watch the girl who won the gold. And especially because she's from Alaska and they have literally one pool <laughs> in the whole state where you can do, you know, Olympic style swimming. And so um, Jacoby winning the hundred meter breaststroke was pretty amazing. So the U.S. men, we couldn't hold on to the 100-meter backstroke that Ryan Murphy got bronze in that, that we had held that for like 30 years. So that was kind of a letdown. You know, I didn't begrudge the winner on that one. They definitely earned it. Flickinger's 200-meter butterfly, she only got bronze in that. That was a little surprising. And she only got uh, bronze on the 400-meter, the women's 400-meter individual medley. She was just, I remember her being very dominant in Rio. And so, unfortunately... Uh, everybody gets old. And then Walsh came in and won the 200 meter individual in medley or on, it got silver, I should say. So it's, it's been fun. It's been not super dominant by the U S as it's been in the past, but we have done really well. And so have a lot of other teams. And so it's been good. And there's been some firsts. There's a Hong Kong has gotten a couple medals at this point. The Philippines got there first. Bermuda got there first. Yeah. So it's, it's been kind of nice that it, and it's not just the Americans and the Australians and the Chinese and the Russians. Like there is other, there are other people in the water that are, and the the Great Britain. The I want to say the the Great uh, Great Britain won the both the gold and the silver in the backstroke. Uh-huh. Or the two Russians, I can't remember. Or the two British did the breaststroke. Either way, it's been good. It's been good all around. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been spending all my time doing is watching the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a good game so far. We got the track and field coming on. We got more swimming. We got more gymnastics. There's there's more and more to go. Yeah, the track and field stuff will be interesting. I guess that'll be the the big highlight coming through now that it seems like a large portion of the swimming stuff's done. Mm-hmm. So now it's the big track and field attention. Yeah, it's just been interesting. And I know you were complaining about uh, NBC earlier. I got to agree from what I've been hearing is that they've just done a terrible job this Olympics as far as trying to get people to watch. Because when the Olympics were in Sochi, I remember, you could download the NBC app and there were plenty of events that you could watch without paying for. There were plenty of things that you could just open up your your phone and start watching, you know, live or, you know, in replay or whatever. And now because they've got a streaming service, uh, you know, Peacock and NBC Sports, now they're like, well, you have to pay now. Yeah, you either have to pay or you have to have a, a TV subscription or something like that. Right. And I think it's just it, it's very bad for I mean, like I get for for major American sporting you know, events, you know, like NBA, NHL, whatever. I get that because that's actual TV contracts and money, but the Olympics happen every once, every four years for the summer and same thing for the winter. So there's usually every two years, you got some Olympic event going on, but those are big events and they happen out of time zone and they're meant to be for everyone to watch. So I think it's just, they've just been handling it poorly this time around. Yep. Trying to make their money. I agree. So we'll see how it goes uh, next year in Beijing. 
Yep. Speaking of TV and money and things like that, let's um scoot on over to um college football because there have been some big TV news there. And that was uh, this week, the University of Texas and Oklahoma University have sent their notice to the Southeastern Conference that they would like to join them in 2025 when their market deal with ESPN in the Big 12 expires. So they would be essentially leaving the Big 12 and coming over to the SEC. The generally perceived idea is that that would basically just destroy the Big 12 conference because they'd be left with no other big names inside that conference. Years ago, when Nebraska was a big school, they left for the Big Ten. A&M left a few years or a couple of years after that for the SEC. And so what would be left in the Big 12, from what I can remember off the top of my head, Kansas and Oklahoma State. Yeah, for big teams. <laughs> I'm sure there are others, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Baylor was pretty big there for a while until it, until everybody realized he not only was he paying his players, they were doing awful things to women. And so they shouldn't be allowed to play anymore. You know, SMU, Rice, they've never been real big teams. TCU, you know, whatever. Rice. <laughs> well, Rice has been in for a long time, but yeah, they've always been kind of, they've been the Vanderbilt of. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the big reason, obviously, is because of money. Uh, the SEC has got a better network, and it's kind of ironic because AM and um, Missouri, they both left the, the Big 12 because. University of Texas uh, was TU. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm saying University of Texas because I I almost got into a fight on Facebook with somebody about that because I I said TU because that's how it how that's how it's done at at A and M. Yep. Like I said, that was the irony is that TU uh, basically said, nope, we're we're hogging up all the the TV rights around here, and you guys can go get your own network. <laughs> yeah, they it was not only that, but they also took like any of the money coming into the conference, they took a cutoff. Or slash in the bowl games they were part of it was like an eighty something split they 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 were just they were domineering in the league both money wise and then the the whole Longhorn Network deal was kind of just a all right bastards <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of getting a Big Twelve network you went and got a Longhorn network right so screw you hippie <laughs> moving on and so for Texas A and M fans and uh, Texas A and M University this was I mean. At least from the outside, you know, for people like us, it was kind of like, I don't know how we like this idea because right now, Texas A&M had a big recruiting point, which is come play for us. We're in the better conference. We're playing the better teams. We get the better recognition. And we had that claim all to ourselves in the state of Texas. You know, from my perspective, and I'm sure from other perspective of other Texas A&M fans, is that that's what TU's trying to do is take some of that away because now it's all about money. And I'll get to that ties into my second thing I want to talk about with college football. But they're trying to get better at recruiting, and, and now that you know money's a factor, they're they're thinking that they can horn in on some of that SEC money. You know, I just don't get it because Texas recruit as Texas recruiting hasn't been bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we left, it's been decent. They've been in the top ten, you know. Ever since we left, they they keep having good recruiting classes. The problem they really have right now is they they suck. <laughs> they don't have a good record, and they do, it doesn't look like their record's going to get any better anytime soon. And so, it, that's the primary. Like I get it. Like from a we want more money and or we want more prestige perspective. I can get it from the prestige side of thing, but from the money side of thing, I can't see this move to the SEC being anything but maybe 
an equivalency kind of move because they're going to lose, you know, they lose the Longhorn Network. They lose rights on, you know, prize money within the SEC. They're just going to be like everybody else. And they're they're still recruiting against A&M and Alabama and, and everybody else in the SEC. So I, and, and it's not like Oklahoma and Alabama and not LSU as much, but LSU and Florida and Georgia, they're all recruiting out of Texas as well. It's not like we, we're not already up against the big dogs already. I think they're looking down the road and they're seeing what I'm seeing, which is that all of these other smaller conferences are going to eventually just disappear, that there are going to be mega conferences and that you're going to see three to five mega conferences over the next 10 years just start forming. Because let's just face it, money is taking over college football. That's just what's happened. TV and being able to pay players for name, image, and likeness. Because of all of that, they're looking down the road and going, well, let's get in now. Let's let's get ourselves comfortable where we're at now and start making promises and start recruiting that way. What I find funny is because I said this is, you know, a lot of this is what it looks like from the outside was that earlier this week, the Board of Regents for Texas A&M had kind of leaned towards not with a no vote into letting TU in Oklahoma. And just uh, yesterday they made a vote and now they're in an eight to one vote have sent a message to the president of Texas A&M saying that they strongly insist on the president allowing Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC. And in their words, to when presented with new information, <laughs> which to me sounds like, well, <laughs> we've been talking with people and it sounds like we're going to get some money by letting them in. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to admit, I, I don't, you know, from a, from a purely play perspective, I don't mind letting them in because I think we'll I'll get to watch A&M beat up on Texas for a while. And I've, I've always wanted to do that. Well, I was going to say, we get our rivalry back. <laughs> right, yeah. The problem I foresee with letting them into the SEC is more logistics space. It's sort of like when we came in with Missouri. And, you know, we went on to the west side and Missouri went on to the east side. Well, Missouri is no further east than we are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it's sort of, uh, well, we got to let one in on one side and one in on the other to maintain the how it's structured. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work. If we let OU and Texas, are they going to do the exact same thing? Are they put OU in the East and Texas in the West? Or are they going to reform how the East and West are, are situated and move Alabama and Auburn? Well, I think Auburn's already in the East, but move Alabama over to the East or like, how is that going to look? That's my real question mark. And what plays out from that? The real problem you've got now is like, you play everybody on your side of the conference right now. So we play everybody in the West. A&M does. Plays everybody in the SEC West. And then you play a select number of teams from the East. And that number is going to effectively stay the same, especially with the increase of the playoff games. So you're, there are going to be people in the conference. You know, there's already people in the conference. We only play once every like five years. Right. And now it's going to be like once every decade. <sighs> And that, that, I don't know, that's weird. <laughs> right. I found the quote, and I want to just read it real quick because I just think it's really telling. Although the board had concerns about the communication process relating to this matter, today the board received the information it needed to properly consider the long-term ramifications of possible expansion. It went on to say, the board concluded that this expansion would enhance the long-term value of the SEC to student-athletes and all of the institutions they represent, including Texas A&M. I don't know about anybody else, but what I read into that was, hey, we've got an idea that if we let them in, there's going to be a lot more money coming our way. 
how exactly i couldn't tell you but to me it just seems a little strange that like i said you know two days ago they weren't gonna let them in and yesterday they're like yeah yeah come on in <laughs> yeah it feels like a lot of palms got greased <laughs> i mean just flat out I'm, I'm just gonna say it it feels like we got our border regions got paid off which i i personally know some former members of the border regions at least i think they're former they're good people and all but I hate the Board of Regents. <laughs> I think they've done just an awful job of steering the university in general to do its purpose. And its purpose being provide a public education to Texas. You know, the, the purpose of the, or the Texas A&M University is not to pay researchers not to teach classes. It's not to, you know, win football games as much as I really enjoy watching all that. It's to provide a public education to the people of Texas. And I, I think we've been falling down on that. And the only people I can blame are the regents. <laughs> so this will slide me into my second story is that I think that decision was prompted by the fact that Nick Saban was in Texas recruiting and said to a bunch of high school coaches that this year's starting quarterback, Bryce Young, is set to make quotes, almost seven figures in money from name, image and likeness. He said this to high school coaches in Texas, and so that way he could tell them, hey, guess what? If your kids play good enough and you send them my way, they're going to make some money, which means they're going to make you money. So I think that that's what you're seeing right now is Texas is now a focal point for recruitment for, for money. Because yeah. <laughs> while Nick Saban was doing that, a high schooler in your neck of the woods is offered – some $800,000 from a kombucha company in both money and equity to go play football at Ohio State. Well, okay, I, I should take that back. It's not to play for Ohio State. It's just to play football. Now, this student who plays for South Lake Carroll, which is near Dallas, has got an endorsement deal worth $800,000. He's a high schooler. Well, I assume he's 18 because you can't sign a contract. If you're, well, contracts are non-binding on anybody below the age of 18, but still. It's more than that because recently the Texas state legislature passed laws that uh, deal with the um, University Interscholastic League, which the new law basically states that uh, nobody who's playing a sport in high school can get paid. So now this kid... His, uh, his name is uh, Quinn Ewers. Uh, he's got a decision to make. He can try to skip his senior year of high school and go play for Ohio State, which he's made a tentative commitment to. Or he can stay playing his senior year of high school and not get paid and possibly win a state championship. Yeah, I you know, honestly, if I'm him... Because it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to maintain both those things. He's just got to play somewhere outside of Texas because he can't make any money while he's in high school. Right. I mean, assuming that there are states, I don't know if there are states that allow high school students to be able to make money. But clearly where he's at now in Texas, he cannot. Well, of course, I mean, you can make money as a high school student. You know, you just go work at CVS <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, but she's not going to make $800,000 is what I'm saying. Right. I'm working at CVS. So, I mean, you know, and to that fact, I, I got to say, I mean, it's one of those hard things, you know, for people is how do you turn down that money? And I honestly think this is really indicative of the way our society is now like money is just very strange now mm -hmm. because it's gotten so big like the distance between nothing and the top is so far stretched mm -hmm. that people at the top and in the intermediary zones can drop what look like 
enormous sums of money to people <laughs> in the middle zone or the bottom zone it, to do whatever. Right. And so, like, it just changes the playing field for everything uh-huh. in such a weird way. It's kind of like, um, you know, I, I talked about this with Micah's Charity. If I can get – there's this thing that rich people can sign on to out there as a as a – I promise that I'm going to die penniless, basically trying to give all their money away to charity before they die. And if I can get in front of like a single one of those, then I can have all the money I need for my charity and hopefully save my son's life. And it's <laughs> nuts to me <laughs> that there's just people walking around like that. <laughs> I'll just point out that there was literally a movie starring Richard Pryor called Brewster's Millions, where that was the challenge is that he had to spend all this money before a certain time period. And then he'd get all this other money. Right. Yeah. And in the end of it he had a hard time spending all that money and that was the point was that sometimes you can have too much money that you know you won't spend yourself up into into poverty you know sure if you tried you could do that but in some cases you have to really try yeah that, that's the thing like it's uh jeff bezos's ex-wife she's trying and she gave she gave away something like two or three billion dollars last year but she made six Right. (laughs) How ridiculous is that? But going back to the sports thing, I wanted to point this out. The reason why I brought up the the Nick Saban thing and, and this kid is that they're both happening in Texas. And what's funny about this Ewers kid is that he's being stopped by the very state that he's in from doing this and it's like well you guys you know you're going to lose a lot of people and a lot of money that could be helpful to you by not allowing these people to get paid yeah and so like you were saying it's just money is now playing such an important part that even for high school football players now i would make the argument that we were talking about basketball before and the nba draft and that's how it is for a lot of high school basketball players is that they just leave high school and they don't go to college and they spend a year getting ready for the NBA and then they go play for the NBA. Yep. There's very little incentive to keep people in the States that they're in at this point when the colleges aren't doing enough to pay them. So I I just think that's something to kind of look out for um, right now is that uh, money seems to be playing a big part and now we're seeing it start to even stretch into high school now and it happened very quickly. It'll be very interesting. But speaking about, you know, football in general, I said it's coming up the time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. We're uh, we're almost into August, which means we're almost time for football. So uh, should be some good times coming. A lot more to talk about as far as the football stuff is concerned. Yep, yep. So we'll start ramping down our movie stuff, although we, we do have a movie in progress that we're reviewing right now. But sports is probably going to be our main bread and butter for a little while. Mm-hmm. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate uh, your patronage. Uh, head to Patreon and become a patron or uh, head to the website, uh, leave comments. You can, you can make an account and leave comments that way. I think I'm going to start trying and posting this stuff on Facebook more or making a Facebook page and stuff. So just to get the word out there, but we appreciate all the support. Thanks for listening. I'm Pat. I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Dig them. Yeah.